Welcome back to the podcast. I'm John Nothing, and today we're going to discuss psychedelics. Psychedelics, also known as entheogens. Um, I've done a few. I've done them not very often, um, and I just want to tell you guys about my experience with it because it seems like what I've seen on TV and what other people have told me is completely different from what I actually experienced. And I, I'm assuming that that's probably the same for many people. You know, I tried them in my mid-30s, and I can tell you right now, if I had tried them earlier on in my 20s, it would have been a completely different experience. Um, probably wouldn't have been a great one, I would imagine. I wasn't ready back then, and uh, I don't think a lot of people tried them whenever they're ready. And I don't know if there is a specific time when you are ready, but I can say for sure that I wasn't ready back then. Um, I, I definitely want to point out today that there's two sides to every coin. Psychedelics would be no different. Entheogen, psychedelics, they would be no different. And I'm going to try to um, describe the other side that you rarely ever encounter or see. Or even, you know, it's ever documented. Right? Um, so, you know, this is going to be one of those, you know, discussions where I, I, I just tell you what, what I've experienced and you may have done them already you may not have you may be curious about them um and uh honestly i'm not trying to convince you to try them to see if you get a different experience um the reason why i'm not trying to convince anyone even if you're interested in it is because where you are in life mentally is always in flux and let's say you try to try to you know give it a shot today and you have a lot of things going on in your life that are leaning more towards the, uh, the negative side. That's going to change your experience going in. You may never do them again, and you may never take anything out of it. And I want you to be able to go in there and take something out of the experience. Because I, I personally treat them like a ritual. I, I don't go in just to escape reality. That's very much not the case. Um, I definitely go in for you know, mental resets, um, to get more in touch with myself, uh, my future, my present, uh, for some other people, it may be to get in touch with their present selves and their past. We'll go over those things. Uh, but the first thing I want to do is touch briefly on the history of psychedelics. And I mean, briefly guys, we're not going to talk about, you know, the war on drugs. I'm just going to quickly mention to you that we don't have a complete history of when human beings started using psychedelics of any kind right i mean when, when we say uh the term entheogens that comes from greek and it translates to the god within and so i can say to you that whenever human beings stumbled upon it it could have been eons ago you know time immemorial but we have documented history you know from the western culture and by Western, I mean European and, uh, you know, those, those types of nations. Um, that 500 years BC, 500 years before Christ, okay? And there are other books that are not really accepted in scientific communities that document history of use of psychedelics well beyond that, 12,000 years, which obviously we're here in 2023 and science doesn't want to acknowledge that they were advanced civilizations 12,000 years ago. We're still at that point here in 2023. 
So I can't say that's scientific fact. We're just going to stick with the 500 BC for now. You know, because science wants you to believe that Aztec, Olmec, and Mexican cultures, and all of those Hispanic, uh, currently Hispanic, uh, basically uh, actual North American cultures, that they just magically appeared in North America and, and um, you know, uh, n- not before the Greeks. Not before, you know, we're talking about 1,000 years um, after Christ. Come on, man. They've been there for thousands of years. <laughs> All right. <laughs> they had just enough time, but we're not going to go over that today. We're going to go over the fact that you have been stigmatized by the war on drugs. And because of that, shrooms, acid have been lumped in together with the opioids that caused and wreaked havoc on this nation. All right. And they're not the same. When it popped up in the 60s and 70s or whenever whenever there was a resurgence, that was like the start of the war on drugs. And it became a problem for the elite in the society. So you could get why they quickly wanted to snuff that out. Okay. So with that said, there was a war on drugs. You didn't get a chance to even explore those things, you know, in a safe manner. It was always cloak and dagger operations. How do I get them? You know, where do I practice them? Where do I, you know, safely take them? How do I keep from getting caught? You know, how do how to kill the paper trail? All of those things have stigmatized you as a person who might even want to experience those things. You know, we're talking about substances that might have started one, two, maybe all major religions on earth. All of them, possibly. You know, when we talk about like crazy books that are, you know, documented in the Bible, like Revelations, you know, we talk about John, John of Patmos being on, uh, you know, the island by himself and, you know, taking whatever substance and possibly having these divinations, you know, we, we don't know, we don't know for sure, but, you know, we're talking about substances that get you in touch with whatever God is out there, it's also apparently in you, in you. and, and uh, they reveal that, they, they lift a veil, essentially, and show you that whatever God that you're searching for, it was probably already in you, and it's just a matter of teasing it out, okay, and that's why I treat it like a ritual, because it's like, it's just a time for me to be in touch with whatever it is that, that the underlying energy is, I'm not going to go into too, ne- too many specifics on religions and things because that's not what we're here for. We're here to talk about the experience of psychedelics, um, the other side of the coin. Okay. And so, you know, if you were like me in my 20s and in early 30s and in mid 30s, you would say to yourself, oh, these are psychedelics are bad. They're going to screw you up. You're at a club and you see somebody getting pulled out in a stretcher. You don't know the difference between different drugs. And you just, you, you have a, you know, you have a stance on it. You know, you, you're judgmental about it. All right. And let's say you wanted to know what it's like to be on there. So you go to social media, you go to YouTube, you go to reference books and you go to celebrities, you know, people who you know can afford to do these drugs whenever they want. And they have their stories right and you know they're funny stories uh you can go to comedy central right now 
um, their YouTube channel, and there's tons of comedians on there. They, they have funny stories here. They're comedians. And they have animated uh, depictions of what happens to them along these wild rides. And I say wild because they're, they're extreme. And each one of their stories is very similar. It's like, I was given this drug. I was going out with these friends, these people that I was tr trying to be cool with or that I trusted, either or. And it was well, well beyond what I was planning on experiencing. And these are chaotic situations where they're surrounded by people. They're at cultural events. They're at concerts. They're at all sorts of events, just surrounded by energies that could easily tease out the bad of the experience, right? And so th that's the celebrity front. And then you have uh, pop culture, right? You have movies that are out there that you think to yourself, man, that person was on drugs when they created that movie. I don't know what kind of drugs, but they were on it. And then, you know, they, they're telling a story in these movies. And in some cases, the movie tells you flat out what drug that they're taking. For instance, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which came out in 1998. You would say to yourself, wow, that's what it's like being on acid. You know, movies like that will scare the living daylights out of you, right? So, you know, you try to go to your references and what, what do you have? You have those movies then you have YouTube videos that show you what a person who just took the drug you know, in the begin, in the early days of YouTube, 2007, you know, 2008, you know, when people were posting all kinds of videos um, with no, uh, you know, policing. Um, yeah, you see people on Zalvia, you see people on Acid, on whatever, and you don't know how much they're taking, uh, and they're just going through it. You know, they, they turn into a Neanderthal, not even a Neanderthal, they turn into a sludge, okay? And you're like, that's not for me, that's scary as hell. I mean, that's funny, but it's scary as hell, you know, from the outside looking in. And so, you know, you're never going to try these drugs <laughs> with these scary uh, depictions, right? You have the scary movies and you have the scary social media, which is like reality TV. And it's just, it's right then and there. And you know that that's real. That looks horribly scary. Okay. And then books don't make it any, any better because, you know, clinical psychology would tell you what you know happens to a person on these things and from a scientific perspective and not from a spiritual perspective so uh and they 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 usually address the chaotic side of it and not the orderly side right and uh so you judge from that point of view you judge from the chaotic point of view and it's not for you or if you're feeling a bit of chaos in you, you're saying, oh, that's for me. I want to try that. And then you get sucked into the world of chaos. All right. And let me um, let me just scroll through. I, I have a list of movies that you probably would have watched before trying psychedelics. Right. Or maybe you've watched them after. Who knows? But these movies are, you know, depictions of people in psychedelic situations. They've actually taken them or you know, you're implied that there's psychedelics involved. You know, we're not talking about Scooby-Doo here. We're talking about actual movies that have come out, come out through the years or stories. All right. Um, I have a list here that I've watched and a lot of you have watched and uh, I separated them into three different categories. Right now, the first list are movies that I think that people would have watched and would found some sort of fear 
you know, towards psychedelics. The second set are movies that are borderline. And what I mean by that is that they give you a good depiction of the extremes that you can go through, but there's good and bad involved, right? And uh, it's very good storytelling, but there's a lot of sensationalism to the that I can't necessarily say that that's a go-to movie, you know? Um, and then the last set are just movies that um, there are substances involved, but they tell a beautiful story, absolutely gorgeous story, right? And it's about human development, and it's about the spiritual side, and it's about the, the, the ups and the downs of objective reality and spiritual reality, okay? So let's go over the bad ones first, right? Um, this one's not going to seem like it, but 2001 Space Odyssey, right? 1968 when that movie came out right if you were you know around in the 70s or or late 60s and that movie came out it wasn't just a sci-fi movie for you okay there's a, there's a lot of things going on in that movie besides the, the fact that you're in space um 1982 right um pink floyd the wall i mean it's pink floyd come on now it's uh, you know they did some drugs all right i'm not going to spoil the movie for you but if you watch that movie, then it, it would make psychedelics seem extreme, right? Um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. This one came out in 1998, I think I said. And um, that was the first movie that I watched where I knew for a fact that they were on acid. And I was like, holy shit, right? This one was an interesting movie in the fact that, you know, with storytelling, you want to you wanna tell people what the person is experiencing the first person is experiencing and also what the third person the person who's viewing from the outside in and they did uh a decent enough job showing you that but on the chaotic side of things okay and so that movie would have scared the living daylights out of you <laughs> if you're considering doing a uh, acid right um scanner darkly uh that one errs on the side of creepy you know and uncomfortable it's not that you wouldn't be able to watch it and and, and be and, you know, it's just that it may, some parts of the movie make my skin crawl. And, and I was like, even if there was some part of acid or shrooms that makes my skin crawl, it's not to that extreme. The, they took it to the to the most uncomfortable letter, level, you know, from the outside looking in, you know, a person who's never done um, acid or shrooms, which is when I watched that movie, I was saying to myself, oh, hell fucking no. And I hate insects. <laughs> you know, I... <laughs> I don't like insects. <laughs> so, you know, um, I'm not saying that movie's full of insects. I'm just saying that there are scenes in there that, you know, will make you feel like your skin's going to keep crawling. And it's not the case. It really isn't. Um, and then 2009, there was a movie called Enter the Void. Most of the people listening to this have never seen that movie. It wasn't a popular movie, but it was specifically about psychedelics. And um, that one gets crazy quickly. Okay. Um, so if you want to see the chaotic side of things, that list of movies that I just said, um, those are the ones to show you what you probably experienced and what, you know, the agenda wants you to believe psychedelics are like. Um, and if you're just like one of those raver people and you just go and do them and you want to experience the chaos, the wildness, then yeah, go watch those movies and, uh, you know, um, that, that's you. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just, it's only one side of a coin. All right, so that's 2001 Space Odyssey, 1968. Um, 
Pink Floyd, The Wall, 1982. Um, let's see here. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, 98. Scanner Darkly uh, was 2006. Um, Enter the Void, 2009. Right? Now, the next list are ones that, that border on, you know, good and bad. Right? And they're interesting movies. Um, they're classics. Right? They're never going to not be good movies. Okay? And uh, I'm just going to go through these real quick because <laughs> you've seen these movies a million times, except for the last one. All right, the first one is The Wizard of Oz for obvious reasons. And the second one is Alice in Wonderland. Um, now, mind you guys, Wizard of Oz came out in 1939. All right, we're talking about the Great Depression here, which this is 2003. We're, we're entering another Great Depression. Um, so the sentiments are much more dire back in 1939 compared to now, uh, specifically because people were lined up for soup kitchens, man. Right now, we're not exactly at that point because we can't be at that point. And technology is different now compared to back then. And also the monetary system is completely different from now to back then. So even though we are currently in a Great Depression, um, the sentiment was much worse for them back then because 1939 was a time when most of humanity, yes, most of humanity after <laughs> World War One, was farmers. You know, they left their farms to go fight a war and their country is poor. This is the United States we're talking about here. One of the greatest powers, at, you know, League of Nations, you know, times. And uh, so, yeah, Wizard of Oz came out back then and that very much depicted an escape. And if there, whatever drugs were around back then, the opioids that were back then and they were unregulated. You could go to the pharmacy or drugstore to go get them LSD and all those things. Yeah, yeah, you could just go to the Dwayne Reed or where, where I guess uh, if you're in the south of um, south of uh, the US uh, CVS or Walgreens <laughs> yeah you could just go to the store and grab those things um, yeah that's 1939 you know to kind of paint a picture for you and uh, that movie did a great job um, a lot of fantastic things went on in that movie that you know uh, depicted the fantasy that you could possibly have at the times Go even go even further back, right? That was 1939. Alice in Wonderland is 1865. I'm black. I would have been a slave in this country, <laughs> or supposedly, uh, you know, escaping slavery or whatever in this country, picking cotton and fruit and stuff, just to kind of give you an idea of you know what's going on in 1865, building railroads and stuff. You know, uh, <laughs> half of the country, half of the U.S. wouldn't have been a state. California wasn't was just a state like 20 years before you know it's like california and a lot of other states uh, alaska and hawaii places like that they're just joining the union around these times or haven't even joined the union yet right you know we're talking about abe lincoln <laughs> times and stuff so yeah 1865 alice in wonderland came out just to kind of give you an idea of what's going on in the world um you know, uh, the British Empire's flag is all over the world at this point. You know, ships, you know, you know, there's still pirates around this time. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't safe. There are no planes. There are no cars. Well, the car was invented right around this time, uh, Ben's. But yeah, you, you, get, you get the picture that I'm trying to draw for you. And so psychedelics were used back then, too. 1865. Um, the Holy Mountain came out in 1973. 
And this is the last of the, the middle bunch, right? And 1973, the war on drugs had already started, right? You know, we're talking about secret little wars and stuff that the U.S. was waging that they didn't want the uh, public to uh, to, to um, rally against, right? They didn't want the young voters to rally against wars and stuff. You know, Korean War was pretty fucking bad uh, <laughs> with the biological warfare. Um, you know, your media back then was newspapers and radio, and then I guess television is starting to really kick in at this point. Uh, 1973, we're talking about like, you know, soon Technicolor is coming out, you know, color TV, and it's not in every household, you know? <laughs> so color TV is a special thing, you know, color films. Um, you know, uh, 73 is like, you know, the, the, the hippie era is over, but, you know, you still have, you have back Black Panthers around at that time. You know, you have uh, civil rights movements over. You have gay emancipation starting to really kick in around this time. Um, and, you know, designer drugs are, are a big thing in the U.S., you know, because they're made illegal. And so that fantasy, you know, that, that <laughs> makes them extra special around the 70s, all right? Um just to kind of paint you a picture of what's going on in the 70s, you know, when people are watching this movie, all right, people that would be interested in this movie. And, uh, you know, that movie, I, 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 I lumped this in with uh, the other two, you know, The Wizard of Oz and Alice in Wonderland, because there are influences on this movie. Um, the writer, director, they were influenced by, you know, texts that I've read, you know, in, in, in uh, great extents. And you got to understand that this is a time before personal computers and the internet. Um, so I think that they were either involved with Masons or secret societies of some sort, or maybe they just did a lot of reading. I don't know. I don't know what books were banned at that particular point, but, you know, the types of information that he was trying to convey in the movie movie was, was really us particular for instance uh there's um nine immortals that live on top of this mountain the movie is called the holy mountain um and there's nine immortals that live on top of this mountain and man kind of wants to uh go up there and steal the secrets to immortality to uh living beyond death now this is a story that you'll find um in many different cultures um in the western society um you'll find it in hermetic philosophy and then you'll find it in uh you know ancient aztec uh, teachings also over in the uh, far far west um so holy mountain definitely check it out um definitely a psychedelic movie right so now let's get to the great ones the great greats now there's probably other ones out there um, but I, I definitely want to uh, point these two out because um, we live in a modern world and when we go into these psychedelic experiences, we go in with our baggage, right? We go in with our with our life's experiences at whatever point in life that we're in. And most people, when they are on the side of chaos, they have to deal with that baggage and they go in with it each and every time and they may make some progress towards that baggage you know each and every time that they go in and uh these two movies i would say uh are heavy you know um i would say you should definitely watch them before uh, trying psychedelics 
and they have they don't illicitly say that they're all not psychedelics in these movies and there's nothing about drugs in these movies but you should definitely watch these before going in because uh there's a lot to the, the human condition right the logic and the emotional side right you know what you call love and what we call love is an action you know all of those things um matter before you go into psychedelics or entheogens you know whenever you seek the inner god the fountain 2006 with hugh jackman and uh rachel weiss 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 i think it's pronounced um um they're a married couple um he's a cancer doctor and she is a cancer patient <laughs> his wife is a cancer patient she's got terminal illness uh, and he can't find a cure for her uh, brain cancer he can't find anything and um he's desperate and he's uh she's already accepted death and uh she's a writer by trade and uh she has a story that she's writing about a conquistador who's sent by the queen of spain to conquer um the aztec and seek the city of gold and the secret of immortality you know to save spain he needs to go over there and do that that's 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 the uh story of her book and she's unable to finish this this book throughout the movie and hugh jackman as the cancer researcher he's struggling with his wife who is his life you know um you know dying of cancer the one thing that he set out to cure and he could he can't do anything about it and uh he's struggling throughout the the story accepting the loss that's coming you know that she's already accepted and uh the pain involved with uh you know you know loving and then letting go and acceptance and you know they they do a very good job of telling that but through a very psychedelic you know imagery and uh he becomes the conquistador in her story throughout the movie and the conquistador set out to do conquering in new lands to take back or to take uh steal uh the secret of immortality well he definitely achieves that in the movie and that's what i'm saying is that he definitely finds the secret to immortality in the movie and the aztec teach it to him the proper way and <laughs> they do such a fantastic job telling the story and there's so much love in this movie it's crazy you have to watch it whether you're into psychedelics or not um that's that's one for people who are who, who are struggling with uh loss or love or or both or relationships you, you gotta watch that movie you know um the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind with jim carrey right that movie mm, definitely up there with uh, the fountain um you know we're, we're talking about two people that were in love and they break up and they go through these experiments to erase their memories of each other and you know somehow love still finds them long story short and that doesn't sound like a psychedelic movie at all but you gotta watch it to see what i'm talking about and there's a basically these two movies the fountain and the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind they show you layers that you're not readily seeing on a day-to-day -day basis even in your own relationships they're showing you the, the the nuances and the layers that you have to peel back and that's what happens whenever you do psychedelics is that you sit with these layers that you don't necessarily normally uh notice 
They're always there, but you don't always notice them. All right? None of this aliens walking, angels coming down, beings of light, none of that. The layers within you, you have to discover them first. And that's what they're able to do. These, these, psych- these psychedelics, they're, they're out there teaching us things. Right? And they have different mannerisms of teaching us those things. All right? um, in another episode, I'll describe you know, them individually. Um, but I'm just going to briefly say that shrooms is kind of like a motherly spirit and acid is kind of like a fatherly spirit. Um, but you yourself have two different energies that you can walk into the experience with. Um, the experience that you have can border either on chaos or order with both so you could possibly walk into the experience in a more chaotic mindset or an orderly mindset and each time that I've walked into the psychedelic experience with both I've walked into it with an orderly mindset and that's why I say that I probably wasn't ready in my 20s I was already an orderly person back then but I needed to be this level of orderly in order to walk into the experience and walk out of it, you know, with my with my wits intact, with my faculties intact, I needed it because I had fears throughout my 20s and I knew them well. I knew them back and front. I knew them better than anyone. And I was always afraid of my fears and I didn't know a route to, to, to even face them. And I didn't think psychedelics would <laughs> even help me face them, but they did. They helped me conquer them. They didn't even make sense. My fears didn't even make sense. Yeah. I had a phobia and a phobia is literally an irrational fear. My friends can tell you that they know exactly what it was and it was irrational. It made no sense. Well, I mean, it was a dangerous creature, but it's not like I was going to be faced with it every day or even, you know, at all. (laughs) You know, I, I have actually faced it on three different occasions, but it's still very irrational for me to have that level of fear towards it it's because i was traumatized with it and trauma sits with you unless you're able to find some sort of tool or mechanism to deal with trauma and trauma of all types are are just work that way you know there's a cycle which you go through in order to deal with them and i just wasn't willing or even ready or even capable of dealing with them in my 20s or even early 30s so i avoided psychedelics because i thought that they would trap me with my fears and that they did they actually did trap me with my fears but in a weird way it's it's such a learning experience it wasn't uncomfortable at all it was <laughs> it was like a father guiding me by the hand it was crazy and uh, i was like these fears don't make any sense and i you know after a week or two i tested whether or not i was able to sit with them and it was like yeah yeah i'm able to sit with these things this is crazy okay so you know that uh in a nutshell was you know one of my experiences or the reason why I wasn't able to do psychedelics until my uh, late mid to late 30s and uh, you know that's a brief history on what people are going through you know throughout the years of known written you know records of psychedelics and you know stigmatisms around it you know brief history you know a brief look at it now let's talk about the nitty-gritty order and chaos right now the second law of thermodynamics talks about you know entropy 
entropy is is uh the, the best way to describe it is that entropy is the movement towards disorder and it states that that happens increasingly over time all right things move increasingly over time from order to disorder now this is talking about thermodynamics you know whenever a, a source of heat eventually moves away from orderly states to disorder now it, you know it dissipates and so when you apply that to the mental plane to thought the same thing happens whenever you're on uh, psychedelics it always happens but how you deal with it um is gonna vary right the movement from order to chaos right your experiences in that realm right so there's different levels of psychedelics out there um mushrooms and acid are kind of like lower level psychedelics they can take you to a pretty far level of, of uh, hallucination and you know inward looking but i will say this the ones that are higher and uh you know um psychotropic uh you know uh effect you know like 5-meo dmt ayahuasca you know yopo you know things along those lines um, you know those dmt type things even though they do make you see things that aren't necessarily there and it does mix in with your objective reality there's a reason for all of it all right and it is chaotic that much i can say whether you're an orderly person or a chaotic person it is chaotic in that realm all right but how you deal with that chaos is going to vary okay and if you're going into these experiences with the goal and with the uh, the goal of uh learning or understanding you know then you're going to be fine at the other end it's it's the difference between walking into a forest you know you've never walked into a dark forest before by yourself and you know that there's dangers inside of the forest you know that there's unknown things inside of a forest but you also know that there's an other end to the forest you don't know what's in there but you know that there is a a side to the forest that looks a lot like where you're at right now a familiar familiar side on the other end right that unknown feeling that's what they they give you that unknown you know the the the, the world of chaos the world of disorder you know and going into these experiences slowly and with a certain mindset because you do need a certain mindset in order to walk into these experiences whether it's with somebody or whether it's you know meditation that you've done throughout throughout life maybe it's you know things that you've done to settle your past or or whatever it is that you've done to prep yourself for these experiences right the chemical or plant that you take it's going to guide you by the hand in one way or the other a fatherly way or motherly way you know you're going to be guided by it and if you allow it to do what it does you'll learn right but if you're just trying to abuse it then you're going to see the force for what it is and it is a place that's unknown to you and you're not necessarily the top creature in the forest <laughs> we'll get into that in the uh in some future episode <laughs> the brothers of darkness and the, the uh 
the things that you'll find in the forest. All right. Imagine that acid is like, you know, an older brother or father or uncle that's taking you hunting or taking you fishing or taking you by the hand and it's saying hey look look at this plant this is what this is hey look at these stars this is what this is look at this tree it's been here for so long look you know it's guiding you right and it says look you you keep straight on this path you don't stray and you'll make it at the other end of the forest that's what acid is like right and then there's shrooms and shrooms is like hey welcome to the forest you know we're here Go ahead and explore a little bit, but stay close. All right? Just stay close. And after a time, you'll walk out of the forest the same way that you came in. It's not necessarily a road that you walk out to, but you go back out the same way that you came in. That's how shrooms is. It's very much a motherly spirit that says, hey, you know, you're safe here with me. You know, we're going to learn things together, you know, and we're going to sit in here We're not going to go too far. We're just going to, you know, experience the forest, you know, and then walk right back out the back way. Acid is like, hey, we're going to walk through this forest and I'm going to teach you some things and you're going to go. You don't you don't stop. When I walk, you walk. And then we'll make it out the other end. You don't stop acid. There's nothing you can do to stop it. It takes you along the ride. Shrooms, you can interrupt it and say, hey, I'm ready to get out of the forest. There are things you can do to get out of it. Not a lot, but there are things, right? But either way, there are two different uh, energies that guide you through it, right? Now you walk into that forest and you are kicking and screaming in fear and, uh, you know, in pain of whatever it is that's ailing you from the past or your present or or something in the future, like in my case. Um, When you're kicking and screaming in fear and you're in that chaotic state or there's something in your present and your sober state that you're in you, you need to deal with and you're you're thinking that this trip inside of the forest is going to help you escape from it you're in for a bad trip you're in for a bad trip you're going to find out that the things that are out there the the guns the fe- the things that are out there in the fields that you're familiar with in the, in the light they they can follow you into the forest and there are other things in the forest waiting on you that's what happens whenever you're not mentally prepared to walk into these places, you know, to, to deal with yourself, to deal with the external things and the internal things both when you don't mentally prepare. And acid is, is no different. You know, you're kicking and screaming and you have your baggage that you're dragging along into the experience. And acid as the fatherly spirit as it is, it tells you, hey, you don't need those flippers. You don't need that that lifeboat, that raft or whatever. I got you. Quit dragging all that stuff into this forest. It's just going to slow you down. It's going to make the experience bad. That's what the what acid does. It's the fatherly spirit that says, hey, leave all that crap behind. Put down the Nintendo Wii or whatever it is that you got in your hand and just come into this experience, you know. And you don't listen to the fatherly spirit and then you have a bad trip. That's what they're like at first. If, if you're bordering on the the side of chaos but if you're going into the experience with you know the guise of i want to learn something i want to feel what i'm feeling i want to see what else is out there and i want to be humbled you know by whatever it is that i'm about to experience 
you're gonna have a fantastic time all right i uh the first time that i i tried uh shrooms um it didn't have very much effect on, on me and so I, I didn't think very much of it I, I, it was only like a gram and uh it should have been enough for me to uh feel something but i, I didn't eat properly uh, i ate a lot of fatty stuff uh slightly before and uh so i didn't have a microdose trip or anything like that the second time i did more than that it was probably 1.8 to uh, i believe it was like 2. Point something grams i can't remember the exact amount we measured it on the scale and that was grand in a small way sitting in my living room with a close friend and we were listening to music with words at first um that didn't have too many violent things or toxic things um we were listening to an audiobook when it really started to kick in we had to turn off the words and just play things with melodies without percussion either yeah no no drums yeah just melodies because words they uh they ruin the experience they're trying to distract you you may not be feeling the things that are happening in that love song that that you love so much whenever you're sober those things don't you know they they put a thicker veil on you okay you turn those off and you listen to the melodies that bring you into a brighter uh mindset and then you feel your way through all right and that's what happened with with the shrooms the first time that I did it is that it was very much a a bodily experience where i was like oh all of a sudden i feel like i'm a part of this planet <laughs> the shrooms were trying to teach me oh hey look not only are you an organism on your own you're a part of this planet you're a part of a much bigger picture you're insignificant and significant all at the same time you're just as significant to the planet as a tree outside not more not less equally and that's what shrooms taught me immediately i had to sit down i had to prop myself up sitting down i was like what is this what am i is this gravity that i'm feeling you know is this <laughs> i remember a kid walked by my apartment and he was crying screaming and i felt that kid's uh emotion and i was like what is this you know i was like the level of empathy that i was capable of that i had not felt before in such a long time or maybe never in my life you know increased empathy and for men that's significant you know men go 10 10 years 15 years 20 years 30 years without shedding a single tear yeah most men can go that long without shedding a single tear only time a tear comes out of our eyes is if we're yawning or or laughing ourselves to death yeah that's how far removed we can be from our own emotions right and <clears throat> that level of empathy uh you know that that taught me a lot and the fact that you know other people's emotions can affect me from a great distance you know that also taught me another thing about perception and so i had to sit with that for a bit before i moved on to a, a higher level of dosage you know within shrooms because you know being introduced to emotion and empathy you know you know that's a lot for a guy or it was a lot for me 
And uh, I knew that if I were to ever do it again, I couldn't be around a whole bunch of people or, you know, um, that are in a negative or, or chaotic state. It would just be uncomfortable. All right. Um, I've read books in the past that uh, talk about this, you know, at great length. And uh, they mention terms that we don't use today. All right. Um, terms that pretty much represent what we would call uh, aura. Right. One of the books that I've read, it talks about something called the Merkaba. And it says that this structure, um, if you could imagine it, uh, is, it surrounds every living thing. And for you, um, it would probably stretch around 20 feet in every direction, down, upside, wherever, in every direction. And it's a field that that represents your energy, right? It's a part of you, um, and it is you, um, and it's kind of like your, your reach, right? And imagine that all your life, your reach has been your arms and your legs. However long your arms are, however long your legs are, that's your reach in life. And then you discover that there's this thing called a Merkaba or an aura, and it reaches 20 feet in every direction around you. And everybody has it. And so when somebody walks by you with their 20 foot wide aura or whatever it is that they describe in these ancient books, they mesh, they mesh. And so through that meshing mechanism, you're able to sense a person, you're able to sense their feelings that's what they're describing in these ancient books. And, and, you know, if you read it, you say, oh, wow, this is some fantastical thing that I'm reading right here. And you you wouldn't put two and two together and say, hey, well, maybe they actually felt these things. Well, when you're on uh, shrooms or acid, you do sense these things. You do. <laughs> and you say, oh, I get it now. Right. And that's just the bodily experience. The visual things that they've tried to scare you with on TV, right? Some of them exist, some of them don't. You know, it just depends on how you go into the experience. And uh, I'm not, I'm not really uh, gonna talk about uh, hallucinations because I've, I haven't really had any hallucinations. I can't really say for sure that I've had any real hallucinations, other than the trees. The trees were. We'll get to the trees. <laughs> they're, they're amazing. All right. Um, so order, you know, in a sense of, uh, you know, a structured style of, of living, you know, as opposed to a structured style of thinking, you know, that's what I'm talking about. A structured style of thinking, whenever you uh, walk into the, uh, the psychedelic experience and it's like, all right, I'm going to let this thing do what it does. And there's nothing to interrupt me. There's no weird music going on. There's no weird people going on. There are no distractions. I'm not thinking about my taxes. and I'm not thinking about, you know, what I have to do tomorrow. I'm just thinking about right this second. All right. You're going in with bring to me whatever and humble me and, and teach me. All right. And that's what I mean by orderly. All right. If you're just going to be in some, you know, concert or rave or whatever, then do that. But it's going to change the experience completely. Right. And uh, I noticed that with you know each and every trip um that there was something that was taken away from it and i talked to other people about their trips and there wasn't necessarily a thing that they were taking away from it they were they said that they laughed a lot and it felt great and you know shit was crazy and 
terrible things happened and, and I was like well, what is all of this that they're talking about you know um some people will tell me that they've seen you know uh you know people that were dead or they've seen themselves different things that I actually experienced with acid um but it wasn't scary by any means all right um and it wasn't extreme like I couldn't break away from the the vision I don't know where they come from I don't know where those visions come from and I don't know you know why they happen but I know that if you were a person that was sitting in the psychologist's chair and you told them the same story about you looking in the mirror and seeing your face as different races same face just different race different time periods and different markings on your face if I told you that story and I was and you're the psychologist I'm sitting in your chair you're thinking oh I really got to help this guy this guy's crazy if you've never experienced those things your objective reality would be that you know all right well everybody else is normal and you're you're crazy right and there's no science behind what what you're experiencing but whenever somebody else confirms what you're experiencing you know then you say to yourself I wasn't just imagining things you know and I um you know uh I can't tell you that the things that you see and and you know the things that you feel are aren't real that we're not here to talk about that we're we're here to just assume that they are real you know because I'm not a qualified person to tell you that they aren't you know I know that I've been through certain things and you could tell me that they aren't real and I would just say all right cool whatever you're free to believe that and I'm free to believe whatever um whenever you go into these experiences with that order in mind you you receive uh more than what you even asked for all right and I told you about the uh the the empathy thing well there are other things um whenever I I did a trip with uh friends I noticed that their energies are different I have a friend who has a matching energy to mine and I made the experience uh deep very very deep um you know I felt like in that particular trip that I understood the world a whole lot better because he's confirming the things that I'm seeing you know and sometimes you need that in order to dig deeper and uh there were memories that I that I had that actually did happen and there are memories that I know for a fact and he knows for a fact never happened but we're experiencing them right some people call them past lives I don't know I just know that I felt the same thing and uh <laughs> I, I know that if he told me a story I, I would feel it in you know and understand it so well you know under the influence it things become intuitive and I know that the words aren't even enough and then there are other friends that I've had trips with and their energies were the opposite and it was uncomfortable at times it was uncomfortable and uh it wasn't you know traumatizing by any means because there was something to be had something to to learn from that experience and that person leaned towards the uh, chaotic side and I uh you know that was my first time realizing that oh this is what it's like whenever you're opposite to another person and it's not that they're bad it's just they're just the opposite and i was like wow this is what's underneath us all 
we have a light and a dark we have a chaotic and an orderly side we there's there's two sides to, to our coin you know the two sides to our experiences and we could easily lean towards the chaotic side easily some people go into it with it and some people don't and it's not that i'm not saying that chaos is better or worse than order because too much order is terrible too much chaos is terrible what you're seeking is the balance between the two whether you are sober or under the influence and when you're under the influence seeking that balance is detrimental it's so important because when you seek that balance that balance seeks you and it teaches you at that point right uh the things that it teaches you a lot of times this is about yourself and a lot of times it's about the uh the uh environment that you're in all right it just depends on what needs to be taught that day you don't get to decide it just does um it's kind of like walking into a university classroom as a fifth grader you're so in awe of the space that you're in and all of these intelligent things that are in front of you people and and you know you're like one day one day i'm gonna bask in this this is going to be my space that's how you feel when you're when you're on uh psychedelics you feel like you're in that university as a fifth grader so much that you have to learn in order to get to that level all right so many intelligent people surrounding you that are, that are the future and you know that you're going to be a part of that future that's what it's like for both shrooms and acid and probably even more all right and uh you know if you want to continue to have chaotic trips and you can handle that, then I would say, cool, you know, that's what you need right now. And that's, that's what you want. Then, then, and that's what you're comfortable with. Then cool. But there is another side where you're entering into the university and the university has a lot to offer you. You don't know what the subject is. Each time you walk into that classroom, that's what the orderly side is like. It's like continually showing up to this university class there's a different teacher there there's different students in there this is a different subject but there's always something to leave with each and every time that's what the orderly side is like i've never had a trip where it wasn't like that and i'm sure that there there's a possibility that i could have a trip that's opposite to that where i walk into a classroom thinking that i'm walking into a classroom and all i receive is a dark forest you know with strange lights and eyes and creatures and beings, I'm sure one day that'll happen. Maybe, who knows, maybe never. But each and every time I've gone into the experience, I've come out with something, you know, and uh, that's why I treat it like a ritual because it's, you know, it's school for me, you know, and it's like, I, I can't do this many times a year, a year, a year, yeah. I can only do it a, maybe a couple or, or so times or a few times a year it's that special um <clears throat> and so yeah order and chaos you know they're they're both good and bad just like yin, yin and yang they exist in each other and you know as that law stated you know things tend to move towards chaos pretty quickly all right um and they they almost always do and, and you know that's one of these, those things that you just have to understand is that whenever you're walking into the unknown the darkness the darkness is formless and so is the light light is actually formless and what you're doing is trying to create forms out of the, that chaotic state of darkness and light you're trying to make a form a box a triangle a circle out of the formlessness of darkness and light 
all right and you know that's work and that's learning and that's what each experience is like so now with that said uh <laughs> i know that's a bit long-winded but uh i just wanted you guys to know that you know you shouldn't fear psychedelics um but you do um have to treat it with respect all right there there has to be an underlying respect whenever you enter into it moving on we uh we talked about entheogens as in pop culture and we talked about it's uh inherent movement from you know order to chaos all right so now let's talk about the mind itself all right and from this point onward we're going to use different sets of uh analogies okay as if we haven't already been but we're going to use a separate uh, analogy to describe the what the mind is going through you know now i want you to imagine that your mind sober you know throughout your entire life from beginning to end you've never touched psychedelics your mind is now an suv plain jane suv and your mind travels on paved roads from beginning to end of life all right these paved roads number in the millions and billions all right everyone on earth there's 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 a paved road for this suv to drive on and you can do great things in your lifetime you know on these paved roads and never stray off of them and do amazing things for people all right and that's what uh you know the the, the sober life is like right amazing things can happen on these paved roads and the mind never has to uh do anything more than drive on those roads maintain itself to stay road ready right but nonetheless you know it's it's road worthiness you know on these paved roads is what life is like and then you introduce psychedelics right psychedelics are like that suv that you've driven all your life right all of a sudden you notice that that suv is a jeep a Land Rover, right? Uh, and not just any Jeep, it's a rock crawler, right? And now the terrain that that vehicle can now travel on is much further, much wider. It's not just paved roads. Now it's off-road. Now it's sand. Now it's snow. Now it's crawling up rocks. Now there's mountains. Now there's fields and grass where there are no roads. Right, that opened up an entirely new direction for your vehicle to travel in on familiar territory. Right, the same cities and mountaintops and, and sand dunes that you've driven past all your life on paved roads, you've driven past them but never explored them. Beaches and 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 grasslands and mountaintops. You've driven past them and never explored them right well that's what the uh the new rock crawler has, is gonna do for you it's gonna allow you to explore those spaces all right and uh those lower level psychedelics they do that for you they they take you on roads you know unpaved you know paths unwalked and you say to yourself wow there's a whole lot of stuff out here beautiful things that are out here unsavory things that are out here scary things that's what it does it allows you to go through perilous dangers and amazing wonders and sights you know on the same roads 
I mean, not the same rose, but, you know, the same field that you've been in, you know, your entire life, but you've ignored, you know, or it hasn't really been like in front of your face, right? Nothing different. It's just you're, you're now in, in a position to explore them, right? And so when we talk about some of the higher level, uh, you know, psychedelics, you know, the, the, the DMTs of the world, uh, the things that cause your body to have those hallucinogenic uh, and otherworldly and godly like experiences. That's like that Jeep becoming a helicopter. Right. Now there's a new dimension that you're able to explore. Right. Now there's a top down view. Now there's air. Now there's no safety net between you and the ground. Now there's so many dangers between you and, and, and where you started. Right. There were already dangers down there. And now you've in, invited a new level of danger. Right. And that's what those are like. Those are just a new dimension. Now, safe as helicopters are, rare as those crashes are, you know, unlike the agenda that would tell you that people are crashing in helicopters left and right. It's super rare. <laughs> a plane crash is also extremely rare. A car crash is not. All right. A car crash is extremely common. A regular SUV on a plain road. It's very common for that to crash. But not as common, you know, for a helicopter. And that's what those other ones are like. Yeah, they take you into dangerous, very risky territory. But it's also not common that you, you know, you just fall out of it. And when you do fall out of it, it's dire. You know, rare as it is. And, uh, you know, whenever you look at it from that perspective, you say to yourself, all right, now my vehicle, my brain, my mind is capable of traveling on newer roads. Let me take some precautions along the way. Let me take with me a device that's going to inflate these tires. It's going to, you know, get me out of the mud, you know, a strap that's going to pull me out of the mud, a, a wench of some sort, right? Let me prep myself. Let me prep the mind for the journey that I'm going to go on. Because you don't just drive out in the middle of a, a sandy desert. You bring water with you, right? You prepare yourself. That's what the mind is like on psychedelics. You just, you know that you're going to go into it with some level of mystery. But you have to go into it with the, uh, the adventure, you know, mindset. And that you accept that there's going to be, you know, good and bad things on your adventure, you know, and you're there to experience it and not force nature to do what you want it to do. You're just out there in a place that you're not the top dog. All right. That's what the mind is like. It's a capable vehicle on paved roads. And you just made it even more capable in another dimension, in another uh, setting. Unfamiliar roads. You just made that same vehicle more. Ca it was always capable of it. You could always add those accessories to it to make it travel off road. You just didn't need to. Paved roads are everywhere now. There's no need to do it. No need to go off road. People live and die and not go off road and do great things for humanity. All right. So I'm not saying that you ever need to go off road. <laughs> I'm just saying that when you do, be ready to learn. All right. And at least prepare yourself to learn. All right. And so those other drugs that are out there and, and uh, you know, ways to influence yourself, you know, you got like alcohol. Alcohol is kind of like, you know, uh, uh, 
a 500 to 1,000 horsepower car on a paved road. It's not like an off-roading vehicle. It's like a 500 horsepower car on a paved road. You could fuck up really quickly. You know, you can, you can add water to that paved, that familiar road and fuck up really quickly and, and, and real bad. Right. That's what alcohol is like. You know, weed, you know, uh, you know, weed is like a bicycle on that paved road. All right. You're going to be able to get a lot out of it. You can do creative things on a bicycle, but it's not made for a highway. All right. It's not made to be on, on, on there with cars. All right. And that's kind of like why you sit on the couch, you know, and, and you think through things, you know, on, on weed. Because it's like, why the hell would you get up and, and go jump on this highway on something that wants you to, you know, coast and, and enjoy the experience. Enjoy the little bit of wind that your own body can produce, you know, enjoy that. You know, that's that's what weed is like. Weed is like the bicycle, the, the tricked out bicycle that you can just take down the road, a quiet neighborhood road, a park, you know, nothing crazy, you know, no hustle and bustle. And then soberness is kind of like the car. And then alcohol is kind of like the 500 horsepower car. Cocaine is like the 500 to 1000 horsepower car. It's also like alcohol. It can take you down a path and it can kill you really quickly. You know, without you know, fentanyl. And all those other opioids and stuff, meth, you know, meth is like a, <laughs> it's, <laughs> meth is like a Baja truck, <laughs> you know, it's fast on road, it's fast off road, it, it's just too fast for, for most people, and it's too much vehicle, you know, and it's not very good for your body, you know, there's no truck that's, you know, easy on the body off road, you're gonna, you're gonna lose some teeth. <laughs> just like meth all right um but yeah that analogy reigns supreme right there i mean i, I, I your, your mind is very much a vehicle in the mo- in the literal and, and physical you know you know metaphorical sense and, and, and literal sense you know it can take you on places it can take you on memory journeys it can take you into the future take you to the present the past you know it can take you up down left right that's what the mind is think of it as a vehicle and when you add psychedelics to the mix the mind becomes a vehicle more capable of travel, but you are still the person in control of the vehicle, you know, to an extent. And whenever you steer that vehicle into an unknown or unfamiliar territory, you are doing that with the, you have to do it with the, with the mindset that, Hey, shit's going to happen. All right. Shit's going to happen. And, and, you know, you could, you could take that off-road path you know, with the learning, you know, uh, mentality, you can do that. You know, nobody's, uh, nobody's forcing you to go off road throughout your life. But if you do go off road, you have to go off road with respect for the fact that, you know, you've never done it before. And even if you have done it before, there's always something waiting on you that you didn't expect. You know, it's unpaved. All right. And, uh, I don't think that, We've been responsible in teaching people about that that pathway or that that side of uh, you know you know that point of view towards psychedelics because l- let me tell you in the past 100 years there have been many occasions that psychedelics have been weaponized weaponized 
All right, without going too far off into conspiracy theories, you can just Google MK Ultra, you can Google CIA, you can Google all kinds of things that have happened in just the past 100 years. All right, bio warfare is very much a real thing. And it's one of those things where we want to know about them before, the, you know, our enemies do. All right. We want to say, hey, listen, world, don't do these things. Don't use these against each other. It's wrong. It's immoral. Chemical weapons, biological warfare. You know, I'm talking about like 1925, like, you know, uh, I'm talking about like Geneva Pact type shit. All right. We us, you know, getting together and like telling the world after World War, hey, don't use these things. And then immediately, immediately going to use these things. And testing them out on other people in other countries and also people within the borders of the U.S. All right. Just forcing towns of people, villages of people, cities of people into 1000 horsepower vehicles into, you know, very capable, you know, rock crawlers and then saying, hey, go, go drive. We're not going to tell them what the rock crawler can do. We're just going to put them in it. And see what happens, you know, and studying us, studying the effects without our knowledge. That has happened in the past 100 years, many a times. And of course, those documents have been leaked here and there. But look, that's the world that we live in now. We live in a world that also that stigmatizes the vehicle that can take you properly off road. We also live in a world where they forced us into those vehicles in, on many occasions. All right. Um, hundreds of years ago, I can't really speak to that because, you know, you know how history is, you know. Eloquence belongs to the conqueror when it comes to history. The people who won wars were the ones who wrote history. And so some of the things that they wrote about as far as like psychedelics or dr drugs or, you know, whatever, we got to take them with a grain of salt, really, until we experience them for ourselves. All right. Um, the mind is very much, you know, um, uncharted territory. I feel like the mind, um, it's equivalent to space. Yeah. Imagine if we spent the amount of money that we did trying to explore space, we did on exploring the mind, you know, mental illnesses or, or, you know, things like depression or things like, you know, uh, um, autism you know imagine if we spent that kind of money space money on the mind itself you know imagine if the things didn't take a turn for the worse in in the early 1900s and we started shifting towards you know war as a as a you know war for profit type of country and we didn't stop the uh you know the curiosity for discovering the mind because, uh, you know, social science wise, psychology popped up around that time. You know, things like marketing and advertising, they popped up in the mid 1900s. You know, psychology popped up, you know, late 1800s, early 1900s, you know, as, as a separate science, you know, within the social sciences, as a separate science from philosophy. That's around, you know, early 1900s we're talking here. You know, Sigmund Freud era, you know, Carl Jung era. All right. And uh, along those, you know, those minor discoveries, you know, treating those social sciences as a science, you know, there was psychedelic, you know, um, 
experimentation. If we had the respect throughout the, the last 100 years, you know, then we would know so much more about ourselves and about our limits and about our capabilities. All right. And so if we didn't weaponize them and then stigmatize the people, because look, if you're going to use a drug as a weapon, then you don't want the weapon in the hands of the people. And so you stigmatize it to make people fear it. All right. You have to make people fear the weapon so that you can keep it as a, as a weapon for your government, for your military, for your whatever. All right. That's always been the name of the game. Know the fear of death. You have to instill the fear of death into the people about the weapon. They need to see that they that this is not something that they want to even want. <laughs> All right, and that goes for every weapon. I told you that they weaponized it, you know, in several wars before and after World War Two, uh, in several cases before and after World War Two, and um, you know, it's 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 like that for every weapon. Uh, you know, Geneva Pact, where they're telling you not to use bio warfare, and then you know, you know, after World War II, they're like, "Oh, we're not gonna, we don't need to be creating nuclear weapons." And then everybody who's capable of creating nuclear weapons is like a weapons race at that point. The Cold War, basically, the nuclear arms race. They say, "Don't do this. Be afraid of this. You know, fear, 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 fear the weapon. No respect." And then they continually contradict themselves and build the weapon. You, as you saw from 1945 till now, how many more nuclear weapons were created, right? And the same thing went for drugs. Drugs is another nuke for the world or for the, you know, the elite world, you know, in, in a sense. Um, you know, and that'll continually be a thing. I don't know if there'll be a time when the government readily accepts, you know, all governments of the world readily accepts psychedelics, you know, and they're... Uh, possible contributions to science you know uh, especially mental sciences going forward right uh, because we haven't treated it like the vehicle that I described earlier we've treated it like you know a weapon or a plague of some sort but they exist for a reason these chemical compounds and, and these uh, you know funguses <laughs> they exist for a reason um, but yeah I wanted to make that quick comparison uh, between uh, the mind and a vehicle, just so that you can understand that the the fear that you've had about psychedelics, they were instilled in you by an institution, and the institution had every reason to do that um, if it if it had an agenda of greed and and power and control, because these things can be weaponized, but they don't necessarily have to be. You know, nuclear power is another thing that we fear right now because of well, our generation fears it because of Chernobyl, right? Um, but as history dictates, uh, once the, those records were released, Chernobyl was not just an accident. It was like, you know, there, there was, there wasn't a lot of care involved. There wasn't a lot of uh, respect, safety, you know, how could you not put in those safety measures, cutting costs? All right. And so from that, then on after Chernobyl, you see a decline of nuclear power, nuclear powered cities and so on and so forth. You hear about, you know. You know, you have you have cartoons like The Simpsons running throughout the 90s after after Chernobyl that show three eyed fish, which just scared the living daylights out of you. It's like, oh, crap, it's going to genetically mutate us. This is what, what's going to happen to us. The reality is, is that there's an effective way 
to to implement nuclear power and we just don't feel like that is we feel like nuclear power is such a like pollutant to the world then they tell you things like there's no way to store the 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 decay and uh you know the, the nuclear waste but we actually do have a way to store it safely for for you know eons and away from groundwater and all those things it's there's a there's an expense involved and and there's a you know a safety uh precaution involved and we just not we're just not willing to do it because it's already been stigmatized as a you know uh a, a, a science and a weapon you know that that needs to be feared just like drugs you know and just like many other things which they want to weaponize it so therefore they need the people to fear it when the reality is is that nuclear power can be a great benefit to humanity even now you see that we're struggling to create energy but there are cleaner sources we're struggling today with depression and we have you know an opioid addiction but shrooms and acid have not been utilized to help people with depression we haven't used it as a medicine yet just like nuclear power hasn't been really used as a a valid energy source it's been weaponized into nukes and they just sit around and drugs have been stigmatized as you know the downfall of humanity but they're not all the same (laughs) so you know you know there there you have it you know the, the the mind is very much a vehicle that can be used in any way and if you <laughs> weaponize the mind then you're gonna fear it all right if you weaponize the uh the uh the rock crawler that your mind can be the race car that your mind can be the helicopter that your mind can be you know the, the incredible vehicle that your mind is then you're gonna be stuck with that same narrative you're never gonna progress past it all right and so I, I just wanted to make that quick analogy that hey look despite what you've learned your mind is a very very capable vehicle if you give it the respect and, and you know that it deserves all right I'm John nothing uh, that's the end of this podcast I know it was long-winded uh, but you know go ahead and comment down below uh, send in your voice messages you know on, on the uh, platform and uh, let me know about your experiences. Let me know, you know, your good experiences, your bad experiences, you know, your first trip. You know, what was that like? You know, what was it that you took? You know, let's let's let the world know that, uh, you know, that there are other experiences besides the one that I described. All right. Let's not let the narrative uh, speak for us. All right. I'm out.